Hi everyone, I'm Lindsay, your usual host, and I'm really excited to welcome you to a new limited series of the Food for the Future podcast called Food is Medicine, featuring diverse guests from five different regions of the world, providing us with some fascinating perspectives on food, nutrition, human rights, and much more. So now I will pass it over to World Food Forum colleague Christina, who will lead us through this fascinating series. Enjoy! In this episode, we are joined by chef Rodrigo Pacheco from his restaurant in Ecuador. Rodrigo is the chef and founder of Boca Valdivia, and he is also a UN FAO goodwill ambassador who works with young people to encourage them to take their health and that of the planet into their own hands. We dive into the interrelated topics of food, healthy diet and gastronomy sustainability, as well as the role of youth in shaping food systems. So, Rodrigo, first of all, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for being here. Could you please introduce yourself for everyone listening and tell us about your background and how you got to where you are today? Thank you uh, very much for this opportunity to spread uh, a message of conservation, a message of action, uh, of what uh, humans were able to do to contain climate change through uh, no matter what profession. So my background is, uh, is related to gastronomy, is related to hospitality. However, I have a personal interest for conservation on, and, and especially for restoration of ecosystems and, and the exploration and the adventure. So I'm taking gastronomy into a, uh, into a tool that uh, has the capacity to transform uh, a bioregion uh, providing uh, opportunities for the local communities and uh, preserving uh, the existing ecosystem and restoring the ecosystem that have been already damaged. And all this through uh, education to the community, also planting a seed on the future guardians of the territory. So uh, I've been doing this uh, for, for quite a while. I have uh, 20 years of experience, I always say, half half because I was abroad working in different beautiful places with amazing chefs, especially in France. And after those 10 years of academic preparation and being abroad, I was, I was back in, in Ecuador and then I spent uh, 10 years in the countryside of, of Ecuador exploring and uh, understanding in a deeper way the cycle of life of plants, of animals and of course uh, of, of our, our own cycle of life as well. So it has been an amazing journey that I'm willing to, to share today with you. Thank you very much for that. So it's always great to hear about people's backgrounds and what has led them to the work they're doing. So you are the chef and founder of Boca Valdivia. Can you tell us about your restaurant and what inspired you to be sustainable and also create sustainability? For example, you're the founder of a brilliantly innovative permaculture project in Puerto Cayo. So perhaps you could tell us a bit more about that as well. Of course. Uh, Boca Valdivia is a project that started 10 years ago by planting fruit trees on a damaged ecosystem. And uh, I was also connecting that to the menu because I was cooking and I, uh, in 10 years I haven't written a, 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 a written menu. So uh, we, what we have been serving for the past decade is the products that we are able to harvest uh, ourselves, that we have also obtained from the local neighbors, that the small farmers, 
uh, and this gives us an amazing catalog of of products. So Boca Bolivia is this is this central kitchen in the middle of the uh, biggest edible forest in the world. This is the project we have been intending to to create. So far, uh, we have been able to connect 107 hectares of a variety of forests and ecosystems and have been uh, doing an amazing uh, conservation program in, 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 in a respectable scale. And all this is through gastronomy, uh, through creating culinary experiences that are uh, designed for 12 guests at the time because we don't want to become predators of nature. And we obtain with the same team that we cook uh, we go out and we do the artisanal fishing and the foraging of seafood and also native plants. So Boca Bolivia has this capacity of reconnecting landscapes and cultures and uh, has been uh, creating a pioneer type of gastronomy that goes hand with hand with, with nature. And, and this is, has been an, something that has brought important recognition to, to Boca Bolivia internationally. So a very, very important project that has hosted uh, people from over 100 countries uh, and yet hasn't lost any of the environmental values that we preach. Wow, that's such an exciting project. And it truly goes beyond the restaurant concept. And it's really inspiring as well. And I'm sure you'll be successful in your efforts to establish the largest edible forest on the planet. So in terms of the goals of your projects, how would you say they relate to the idea of a healthy diet and food security? When we talk about an edible forest, what comes to our mind is uh, it's, a, it's a forest that where we have planted uh, different types of fruit trees and then we harvest that. But in fact, uh, an edible forest provides a, a wide variety of local solutions to global problems. For example, carbon capture, for example, uh, water preservation, reconciliation with wildlife, food. Uh, medicine, materials, economic opportunities, and all these is, a, it, I call it climate sovereignty, that includes the food, includes the education, includes the right for the communities and for people and for children to, to live a, a future with abundance, as, as we have also been able to see it and, and, and enjoy it. So when we talk about this mission, we direct our efforts towards the transmission of knowledge about a healthy diet. And uh, since the Valdivia culture that was located in this region of Ecuador 7,000 years ago, we're believed to be the first navigators, the first culture that did pottery and also agriculture of all the American continent. And this, uh, we cannot leave this just in the past uh, if they were able to domesticate origin species like pumpkin, like pineapple, like pepper, like cacao, uh, like uh, like uh, papaya, right? Like pitahaya, like avocado, like chili pepper, like corn and potatoes and all the products that come from our lands. Uh, if, if they were able to domesticate these thousands of years ago, why would we see malnutrition in today's world? Why would we see... These, these problems of, of a lack of, of, a, of a proper culture to nourish the family. And this is what we are also trying to, to, to provide to the local communities. Bring, bring back the, the knowledge that they already have that comes from the ancestral past, but they have lost for several reasons. And it becomes uh, uh, super important in terms of the, the 
neurologic development of the children and their capacity for, for, for learning and for being the guardians of their territory. For that, they need to be well nourished. For that, they need to have a biodiverse diet that is uh, reachable, that is uh, comprehensible for them, and also is delicious. So uh, this is a process that we have been uh, doing for a while, and uh, we will continue on this mission until we reach our objectives. And then this philosophy carries across to your green school, where you offer classes on conservation. Well, we have uh, worked with three local schools. Uh, we have also uh, created an alliance with FAO, and uh, we have installed an edible forest, and one hectare edible forest, including the, the infrastructure for children to learn uh, in different classrooms that were designed for 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 different process of learning through through playing through permaculture. So we have completely uh, shifted the, the educational model that was existing in these rural communities towards a model that really connects the children with their culture, with their own uh, environment, and brings them awareness about the, the importance of taking care of this environment. Okay, so you've mentioned some of the steps you've taken to minimise your climate impacts. And a phrase that is mentioned often in the context of food is regenerative gastronomy. So for anyone listening who doesn't know, what is regenerative gastronomy? To me, regenerative gastronomy is the type of gastronomy that has the capacity to heal, to heal the damage of what humans have caused, destroying the ecosystems. And, uh, and if we're able to create uh, dishes or experiences or put our creativity uh, uh, in order to solve the problems of the world, then we are creating something. And this is regenerative gastronomy. The, this is to adapt our creativity to today's needs, uh, to, to, to make a call to action, to inspire other people, to make uh, uh, different actions that can be uh, replicated in different territories of the world. Uh, bringing gastronomy to a wider vision not only creating a beautiful dish that tastes good, but a dish that is able to transform the reality of people, of your own team, of your own family in the first place. Uh, and this is what regenerative gastronomy means. That's a really good way of thinking about it. Thank you for that. Um, okay, so now more widely speaking, how would you say food systems are influencing and are also being impacted by climate change in South America? Climate change is knocking at our doors everywhere in the world. Uh, we can see uh, different uh, crazy phenomena happening in the world, naturally and socially. And some things are, are, are interesting and bring us the opportunity to, to have reflection. As I mentioned, we were the, one of the first cultures that domesticated the species, the origin species that ended up becoming the, the main products for the most prestigious cuisines in the world. So uh, I think uh, we're in the process of uh, defining the, the chef's role in today's world. And this is very important for, uh, for gastronomy to play a role in terms of creating virtuous cycles rather than sustaining these destructive cycles that that gastronomy is also supporting in many ways and hospitality in the way. So we need to shift this, not only in South America, but everywhere in the world. How? By connecting, uh, by having a, 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 a smart relationship with the flora around us. This is, this is clear. We can, we can look back into history and see how entire empires 
collapsed because they didn't have a, a, a healthy relationship with the plants around them. Many examples all over the world of abandoned cities, of places that were uh, a jungle at some point and ended up as a desert. This is because the humans have completely destroyed uh, the, the flora around them. So this is the way we can contain climate change. We planting trees, creating uh, opportunities uh, for people in the countryside, also moving business to the countryside, not, not only bringing things to the city, but also going back to the countryside, going back against this current of, of a lot of people migrating to the cities and abandoning their lands, and then their lands will be sold and destroyed, and then this is a systematic damage. So this is a way that we can contain. First, recognizing that gastronomy plays a role, that chefs plays a role, and then putting up actions, not only words, not only philosophy and telling loud what needs to be done, but actually walk the talk. This is important for many chefs in the world. Thank you for that. So for the final question I would like to ask you today, uh, going back to the topic of youth, we know that you work with young people to encourage them to take their health and that of the planets into their own hands. And of course, as this is what WFF is all about, providing a platform for young people, our final question for you is what do you think is the role of youth in improving sustainability in food production and also food systems more generally? And what does the next generation of food advocates need from those in power today? I think uh, the youth is the, the present, not only the future, but the, the present of the world. I think the youth should be becoming the guardians of the territory, should be becoming the guardians of the earth, and they play a super important role uh, because they have the capacity to take action, to lead projects, to create initiatives following the SDGs, especially the number 17 that encourage us to create alliances in order to, to accomplish our environmental and social and cultural goals. So uh, when we talk about youth, we talk about uh, a group of humans that will, in a few years, will be leading and taking important and bold decisions towards the conservation of our ecosystem. So we must empower them from now. We must give them a voice. Uh, we must consider them into our, our actions and retribute to these uh, to this wound that youth has because our generations have been uh, blinded by, by different distractions and, and have left a huge potentially productive and, and, and full of solutions community aside. And we need to bring back this, the power of youth, their respect for children, for youth, and recognizing their, their capacity of action. This is uh, absolutely crucial. Uh, for containing climate change, we're, you know, the clock is running, uh, the biodiversity is being lost in a rhythm that is, is just absolutely uh, unfixable. And uh, it's about children and youth and elderly people and everyone. Everyone has the right to talk about climate change. Everyone has the right to talk about a good nutrition. You don't have to be a chef. You don't have to be a scientist to provide ideas to provide solutions, to transform your own life before pointing it to other people, to authorities, if you haven't done your own task at home, in your own habits, in your own companies. So the call to action is for all society and uh, the responsibility of uh, healing the planet relies on everyone. 
such as the consequences will rely also on everyone. So this is an important message for the youth and for the children to, to, to feel as part of the solution to the global problem. I think that's a fantastic answer to end things on. So once again, thank you very much for taking the time to be part of our podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure to find out more about you and your projects. And I'm sure many people listening will be inspired by your work. Thank you for this opportunity. I hope my English was fitted for, for this and authentically shared with, uh, with the vision and with the passion of how this, these things needs to be treated and needs to be shared. And, and that people should really listen and, and take actions as well. So thank you for, for becoming part of the solution, connecting, connecting dots, uh, becoming weavers of this cooperation mold that the planet needs to, to put in action. So thank you. To learn more about the World Food Forum, please go to world-food-forum.org. You have been listening to the Food for Future podcast. This takeover episode was created and produced by Cristina Hagiani, Marta Pace, Valentina Vitale, Giorgio Sonino, and Mario Gioldi. Additional production support by Lindsay Hook, Tocco Cato, Valentina Carlino, and Hugo Boris.